You're listening to the Careers Talk podcast series, a Salt Studios production. For Cathy Naismith, the importance of education was understood from a young age, and she looks back with appreciation that her mother and grandmother taught the value of lifelong learning. Not only was Cathy supported by her mother and grandmother growing up, she also had sisters who moved with her into boarding school when the time came to move away from home. In this episode, Cathy talks about her education and gives advice to students about how to decide on a learning path that suits their interests. Cathy, thank you very much for having a chat with me. Now, I would imagine that with a grandmother and a mother who were both teachers, there was a bit of pressure on you to get your education correct, right? Absolutely, Luke. Yeah, education was always a really important part of our upbringing. I guess both mum and my grandmother use this as a as an opportunity to really express who they are in the world. They're both very bright, always continuously learning new things. And I guess both with my grandmother and my mother went through their education experiences, they were probably limited to what they could choose to do. So it was a great route for both of them. And how did that impact in your life and your education? What was the the messages? What were the lessons that were teaching you about their experiences as as teachers? Growing up in a really small country town where your mum is the teacher and sometimes in the classroom, sometimes the librarian and sometimes a music teacher, you had to, in a way, make sure that, that you were, you know, not disgracing the family. Anyway, look, there was an expectation that we would make an effort and that we would take our education seriously. We had um, fabulous teachers where we were. We actually had none. So there was quite a discipline. I remember even in primary school, you'd actually have to line up and say what your times tables or say what your spelling words were before you could even go out and start playing in the playground before school started. Yeah, certainly a a decent amount of discipline that was involved. Sounds like your mother held every role within the school. So when you got into trouble and you had to go to the principal's office, did you have to get yelled at by your mother at school as well? We basically weren't given any favours. So if, uh, if we did something wrong, we were basically on our own. So we tried to keep ourselves as nice as we could, I guess. So does that mean with a grandmother as a teacher and a mother as a teacher, you naturally took to high school? Yes, I guess it was quite easy to fit in. If we ever had any questions or anything like that, my grandmother was always very curious. She lived till she was, I think Nan was about 90, 92 when she passed, and she always had a huge pile of books beside her bed. Even when I spent time travelling back and forward overseas, she would always, you know, send postcards and letters and checking in. So she was just a naturally curious person, which is very much in line with supporting um, the importance of education. You've got two sisters, so three of you combined. Does that mean there was some healthy competition in your education between the three of you? I don't think we really competed with each other. We were very lucky, uh, particularly when we went off to boarding school, that we were a great support for each other as well. Okay, so you all went to boarding school at the same sort of time. Obviously, there's a, a differences in the years that you were, you're in, but you were there as a team. Uh, definitely. So Liz was in year 11, I was in year nine, and Margie was in year seven. Um, so we were all very supportive of each other. I would imagine that would make the the process of moving away from your parents to a completely different environment into a boarding school a lot easier to deal with. Definitely. It is certainly somewhere that you had to 
grow up and become independent fairly quickly. We were very fortunate. Mum and Dad both chose to send us to a reasonably local boarding school, so we were still able to go home on the weekends. So they made a huge effort to to get us home on the weekends and have a lovely roast dinner. Boarding school food wasn't anything that you would rave about. So basically I lived on Vegemite toast and Milo during the week and then uh, a few veggies and, and meat at the weekend. So in a way, you kind of really did have to make your own way. So it was great to have my sisters there um, to support each other as well. Well, apart from it not being Michelin-starred food, what was life like as a boarding school kid? There was a fair amount of routine with what you did. In the younger years, like um, year seven, eight, nine, you're only allowed to go down to the street, you know, once or twice a week. So that's when you'd fill up on your chips and gravy. There was after school sports if you wanted to. We, uh, the boarding school also got a pool. I think we're in about year um, nine or so. Um, you're fairly restricted in your movements and fairly limited compared to some of the freedoms of what we would call the day bugs, I would say. So what subjects did you naturally take to? I took to the subjects where I had an affinity with the teachers. So there was a lovely lady, uh, Zita Denham, and she really brought brought, um, history to life. So I really enjoyed history because of her ability to tell a fabulous story. I enjoyed languages, so I enjoyed French um, with Mrs Daw. And then in year 11 and 12, I really loved economics because I had a brilliant economics teacher, um, Mr Bright. Simple as that. It wasn't because you necessarily loved it. It was just the quality of the teacher that was in the room at the time. And look, that's probably reflective of my personality as well. I'm someone who really enjoys connecting and building relationships. So in hindsight, that's not a surprise to me. Both of my sisters studied, you know, physics. They enjoyed maths and and the science areas. I was biology and and more of the humanities side. So it makes sense that the, the teachers where I had a good relationship were the ones that I really enjoyed those subjects. Did you always know where you wanted to go with your career? Absolutely no idea. Fantastic. Break that down for me. I sometimes think that's why I still work in careers is like career <laughs> strategy and management and, and planning. I'm still trying to work out what I want to be when I grow yeah, up. Giving to people what you didn't have for yourself. Absolutely. And I'm always curious about people's background and why they make the choices and what makes them tick. Perhaps in a previous life, I would have been a psychologist or something like that, but I'm really happy with the, the route that I chose. So getting towards the edge, end of your, your boarding school days, there was no career pathway for you. You were completely open to different opportunities that may or may not come up for you. There was no set path that you knew you wanted to go down. You didn't want to follow the, the road necessarily that your grandma, that your mother did. No, it was, I mean, we really didn't have careers counselling and careers coaching. We didn't really have tutors in those days. It was quite different back then. Um, So it was really about exploring the things that I did enjoy. And because I did really enjoy economics, I found out about a Bachelor of Business and in that you could do a bit of law, a bit of computing, you could do economics, you know, all, all things to do with business. The other alternative was to follow the route of my older sister who had gone to Sydney to study teaching and I thought that might be quite interesting but at the end of the day I decided to stay locally and um, attend the local uh, university at Charles Sturt in Wagga. You mentioned just there that when you went through high school you didn't have a careers counsellor in place. You've gone on to have three children. You would have seen them go through the education system. Has that been very different for them? Where I've decided to send the kids to, absolutely. There's a lot more pastoral care and particularly for the schools where my children have gone, I've found the teachers to be, it's like as if they've got an inbuilt career arm to their own subjects anyway. For example, 
my youngest daughter, um, Lucy, has just finished her VCE this year. And it was really wonderful to go along to her parent-teacher because all of the teachers had a lens of her in their discipline. So it's not necessarily Lucy should be up when she grows up, but they're actually able to see her transferable skills or her talents or her aptitudes, which were in line with what they were teaching. So from that perspective, I think they've had a lot of support from that pastoral perspective, care for the whole person, as well as from those particular disciplines. Is that something that's available in most schools based on your experience? Most schools would now have career counsellors and career support work, and it starts pretty early. So it's a part of the curriculum. So definitely students nowadays, if they want to have access to better understanding themselves and what they want to experience and how that really translates then into um, potential pathways as far as education. Is there any advice around... Uh, helping students find that person outside of a career setting where they might be able to leverage for, for experience and advice? I think it's it's an open book in a way. So we don't always have to seek advice from an expert in an area. Obviously, that can be really helpful. But when um, students are really trying to understand what way forward, there's an enormous amount of pressure of having that clarity and having to get it right. And in fact, that can be an enormous barrier to curiosity, openness, but also a sense of agency. And that sense of agency is I'm really in charge of my own ship. I'm in charge of my own destiny. Therefore, it's up to me to explore what that looks like. And I think that if we can instill in our students that you know, the world is an, is an open oyster for you. What would you like to? What do you know of yourself? And can I help translate that about how that fits into different worlds? So if you've got a cricket coach or a netball coach, if you have uh, a tutor or a music teacher, all of these different people can give you a different perspective. There's no one right answer. And even working with people who are, you know, CEOs and general managers in their careers, there's still no one right answer because we are evolving and our careers are evolving as well. And as long as we have that deeper understanding that we can um, play a really active part in it, then we're always open to shaping our work life in a really satisfying way. So is it a matter of just asking anyone who's gone before you or does it need to be a bit more refined than that? Does it need to be people who are within an industry that you could see yourself being involved in? Look, to start with, when I use a particular report that I know we're going to discuss, the Morrisby report, it's a fabulous little tool to get you kick-started. So it gives you lots of really great data around where your natural talents lie, so your aptitudes, gives you information about your interests, your subject interest choices, about um, your personality profile. So there's a range of different things that you can do, access information, that that then comes up with your top 10 options. So it's like all of these are put into a bag. You can toggle then about what weighting you want on each of these areas. And it's a fabulous place to get started because then you're starting to get an understanding, well, what is a podiatrist or what is a sound producer or what is a UX designer? So you're starting to get an understanding of what's out there at the moment. So it's got about 600 plus occupational categories. Once you've done that, then I also encourage the parent and the child to then do a quick survey or an audit 
with, you know, five people and it could be grandma, it could be, you know, a coach that they've had, it might be a previous teacher. And we ask them questions around, where do you see my strengths? What makes me different to, you know, my peers? What do you think I stand for? And when we've engaged with each other, how have you gained benefit or service or found value in that relationship? That gives us some really critical data to understanding self, as well as then understanding your strengths and how that fits in the world of work. How do students get access to the Morrisby Report? The Morrisby Report is now available in Victoria to nearly every um, high school student. It hasn't become available um, nationally, but all you need to do is click onto the Career Analyst website and there's a range of different or accredited Morrisby providers such as myself um, and then we go from there. Everybody does things a little bit differently. I use the positive psychology lens with that work, understanding self to start with, and then how that relates to the world of work. You're getting towards the end of your high school education. You ended up studying university. How did you get there? When I first finished high school, then I actually did an undergraduate in Wagga at Charles Sturt University. And so that was the choice of, do I go to Sydney or do I stay locally? And I chose to stay locally, which was a great experience. After you got that, what sort of diploma or degree did you have? So I had a Bachelor of Business and majoring in Human Resource Management. And then from there is when you made the decision to relocate to Melbourne? I'd actually been travelling overseas with a couple of friends and it seemed to be every man and his dog was teaching English in Japan. So that was the path that I took from there. So when I finished um, doing that after six months, came back to Australia and then um, did my graduate diploma of education down in Melbourne. Looking back, considering where you've gone and you've uh, achieved some great things, we're going to talk about that in our next episode. What are some of the biggest lessons you learned at university that prepared you for your professional career? As far as university goes, the content goes, I think it's every six years now, knowledge is, is pretty much outplaced. Like it's so, it becomes outdated and redundant. So it's not necessarily so much the content. And, and once again, it depends upon the discipline that you go into, but it's certainly being open to what you're learning. And for me, because of the way I learned the application of that, but also, once again, because of my personality, the relationships that you make. So every year I still catch up with at least 12 of the um, girls that I went to university with. I would say that that's probably something that I really treasure about um, my time at university is making those connections. And what about some advice for students about getting the most out of their university education? Well, as we know, the old adage, whatever you put in is what you'll get out of it. And I think it's probably really difficult, particularly given the last um, couple of years that we've been through, really hard to um, get the most out of it because a lot of the time that you're behind the screen and it can be really de-energising and demotivating. So any opportunities that you might have to connect with people in that more face-to-face manner, just really grab those because the better you get to know people and the better you can be of support and service to others, it'll play spades in, in your later career as well. What are some ideas that, uh, or things that students should consider about making that next move into, into their career pathway? Look, because all the students, particularly in Victoria, have access to career counsellors, make sure that you connect with them, but don't go expecting them to tell you the answers. So once again, you're very much in the driver's seat. Use the Morrisby test to get a better understanding about 
where your talents and your abilities lie. Speak to grandparents, parents, friends, teachers and coach. Find out really what their perspective is about where your strengths lie and be open to advice information, not as if it's like the answer because there is no answer, but it's all little pieces of data that will help you to get a better understanding about what are the best things for you to try out especially try and fail a lot, like try lots of stuff. Even when I'm working with people in job search, I say you've got to kiss a lot of frogs before you get to your prince or your princess. <laughs> Do that and you'll be able to work out for yourself, you know, what's right for you. Fantastic. Right, Cathy, uh, you took on a very, very interesting job straight after university and in our next podcast episode, I am really looking forward to finding out the ins and outs of that role because it's unique, I would say. Thanks, Luke. I look forward to it. <laughs> Being open to learning, applying that learning and building lasting personal and professional relationships is what set Kathy up for success. Sounds like a good recipe to me. In our next episode, Kathy talks about her career and about teaching in a jail. You're listening to the Careers Talk podcast series, a Salt Studios production.